Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Highway Community Podcast. My name is David. It's great to have you with us today. Uh, Wherever it is that you're joining us from or whenever it is that you are listening to this message, our sincere hope is that you would know how much God loves you and that you are welcome here wherever it is that you are on your faith journey. Look, if Highway is new to you, uh, or if it's been a while, or even if just the realities of this season have you wanting to get more plugged in, we would love to connect with you. You can head over to highway.org and click the Get Connected tab at the top of the page, and one of our pastors will follow up with you. You can also log prayer requests there, and our staff do take time each week to pray over those as well. We would love to walk with you through this season. Well, this morning we are continuing on in our series called RSVP, an invitation to pray with Jesus through Lent. And I'm so excited about this series. We're following the six requests, the six petitions that are found in the model prayer that Jesus gave his disciples, what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And each of these petitions, whether it's hallowed be your name or your kingdom come, your will be done, or give us this day our daily bread, or forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Each of these petitions give us such a great point of reflection during the season of Lent. This is a time where we make room when we make space for both reflection and usually a good bit of repentance afterwards. This is a time when we take hard looks at what we rely on, where we ask ourselves, could there be something holding us back from what God wants to do in and through our lives? And so each week, we're looking at one of these elements, one of these petitions that Jesus so purposefully placed in this prayer he taught his disciples as a lens to examine ourselves and how God might be inviting us to respond. And last week, John took us through, hallowed be your name. And this week, we'll talk about your kingdom come. As we get started, would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your scriptures. Jesus, we thank you that you taught us how to pray. Two things are on my heart this morning. God, would you remind us that it is your kingdom, not ours or anyone else's? And would you give us eyes to see? We love you. We pray your kingdom would come in and through us this morning. Amen. Well, we started the Lent season together with our Ash Wednesday service which was built around the first words that Mark records Jesus saying, found in Mark 1, verse 15. After being tempted in the wilderness for 40 days, Jesus went into Galilee to share this good news. This is Mark 1, verse 15. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This was Jesus' first message. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe it. See, Jesus is picking up the story right where the prophets had left off. There's this thing that God is doing in the world, and we've caught glimpses of it up to this point. We've heard whispers about it, but now it's time. 
God was stepping back into the creation he loved so much to start something new, something wonderful through the life, teaching, and ultimately death and resurrection of his son Jesus. The kingdom of God, what we see and hear in the life and teachings of Jesus, was breaking into the kingdoms of the earth. All the empire building, the people using systemic greed and exploitation, and all the crap that comes with it that has been a part of the human story since the fall. There was a different way. The kingdom of God had come near. And this was Jesus' message. He talked about it over and over and over and over again. He told stories about it, all these great illustrations. He lived it out in what he said and how he treated people. And still, it was so unexpected. It was so different from what everyone thought that it would be, what it would look like, that even his own disciples struggled to really get it. Even misinterpreted, misunderstood what it was about. And I think that gives us a really great lens to start to let this prayer of your kingdom come read us a little bit this week. It's not like any other kingdom we've ever seen, experienced, or learned about through history. It certainly was nothing like the Roman Empire that was so powerful at the time, or the Persian or Babylonian empires before that. God's kingdom is built on an entirely different set of values, most of which flip everything we think about how to build something big and strong and lasting on its head. It's a kingdom where Jesus said those who seek the seat of honor find themselves actually at the end of the table. While those who are humble, the ones no one would think to invite in the first place, find themselves actually in the seat of honor. It's a kingdom where the way to lose the life we want is to actually try to hold on to it and make it for ourselves rather than willingly lay it down to wherever God might lead us. It's a kingdom where the poor, the widow, the orphan, the leper, the sick, those seen with no value add by society were not just allowed to be, but were welcomed, valued, and included. It's a kingdom built on an entirely different set of values. And when I think about moments from Jesus' life that best exemplify this, my mind goes immediately to John 13, where John writes that in the moment when all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to Jesus. I mean, just think about that for a moment. All authority in heaven and on earth had been given to Jesus, and he knew it and clothed in all that power. He got up from the table, wrapped a towel around his waist, and did the job of someone really low on the household org chart, and washed his disciples' feet, even though, in the short term, they were not going to crush it. They were going to fall asleep on him. They were going to deny him publicly, betray him. But in the moment when all authority in heaven and on earth is given to Jesus, he chooses this act of humble service and says to his disciples, this is what I want you to do as well. 
Uh, this is just a glimpse into what the kingdom of God is like. It's so different. It's so unexpected that even with Jesus right there to live it out and explain it, it was often missed or misunderstood even by the disciples, which for our purposes today, I find very comforting. Have you heard the passage in Mark 10 about James and John asking Jesus if they can sit on his right and his left in his glory? You know, we, we've talked about a posture of humble boldness in this series. Uh, they got the bold part right, uh, but methinks they missed the humble part. And when the other disciples find out, they get super mad. And Jesus has to call them all together and say this in Mark 10, starting in verse 42. And listen for the differences in the kingdoms here. Jesus says this in Mark 10, starting in verse 42. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Can you hear the kingdom of God breaking into the kingdoms of the earth in this one passage. And man, are the disciples just blind to it. It's like what they really want is a position of honor in the Jewish military regime that they want Jesus to lead as he kicks Roman bootay. And Jesus is like, no, the way up is actually down. If you want honor in my kingdom, you serve. And if you want to know what that looks like, just watch me. And I wonder if that's what James and John really wanted. Or all of the other disciples wanted, for that matter. See, there's something about talking about God's kingdom coming. And what that actually looks like. That presses into us a bit. It it challenges us. It starts to unearth within us what we really want. It's, It's like it peels back the layers and exposes that a bit. And I'm reminded of what Mark puts right after this moment with the disciples in Mark 10. So there's this question that Jesus asks that gets right at the heart of what this prayer, your kingdom come unearths in us. Mark 10, continuing on in verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What 
do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. What do you want? It's such a powerful question. Especially during the Lenten season when we're doing some internal housekeeping. When we're paying attention to what we rely on, what holds us back from following Jesus with our whole selves. And what I want us to do for the next few minutes is to hold that question up. What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? To hold that question up next to this prayer. Your kingdom come. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he taught them to pray, your kingdom come. And there's an inherent question in there. It gets at something in us. It confronts us a little bit and asks us, is that what we really want? I think we can get stuck in how God's kingdom can sort of feel like an abstract topic. Like, yes, we want God's kingdom to come. We pray for that. But what does that actually mean? What does that start to look like? And even in just this three-word phrase, your kingdom come, there are two things that I think can be great starting points for us to consider. Who and where. And to really sit with whose kingdom is it in the first place? And where is that kingdom coming? And there's such power in Jesus architecting this prayer around the word your. I mean, just think about that for a minute. It's not my kingdom. It's not that kingdom over there. It's not our kingdom. It's your kingdom. And Esther is going to get more into this next week as she covers your will be done. But this word your, your kingdom come brings us to a point of surrender. And I just think that's hard for us sometimes. I know it is for me. And as we walk with Jesus over time, the ways this gets hard seem to get more subtle. You know, at first, it's easier to see, wow, I've been orienting my life and values around things that are contrary to the way that God intended them to be. I'm mainly concerned about elevating my own status. I'm trying to accumulate things for myself. I've been seeing other people as a means to get what I want. Clearly not answers to the question, what would Jesus do? You know, those things stand out to us in this sharp contrast to what Jesus said and did and what he taught about what it meant to follow him. And, you know, over time, you know, if, if we work on those things, if God does some work in us, you know, maybe we even make some hard choices or changes in our lives, you know, our rough edges are a little smoother. The way this prayer, your kingdom come, challenges us, become more subtle. See, I, I think we like to drop the why. And change it from your kingdom come to our kingdom come. Like like we want to have a say in it. Or or feel like we've earned that right to some extent. Or, Or like we get it now enough to be able to call some of the shots. 
or, or like we're even entitled to something. That's what we hear in James and John in the passage from earlier. These things can be so subtle. But when we make space to sit with these words and listen for what God is saying to us through them, these more subtle areas in our lives get brought to the surface. Like when our kingdom come, or when your kingdom come, becomes our kingdom come, we want to start to control things like timing or who we feel good about being there with us, or how we want the kingdom to come exactly. Just like how the disciples kept wanting Jesus to lead a military coup and free Israel from Roman occupation. But keeping the why, praying your kingdom come, confronts us with surrender helps us unearth within ourselves where we want to be in control of things we really can't or shouldn't be. That's the who in this prayer. Now to talk about the where. How does Jesus finish this phrase? Your kingdom come, your will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. And we talked about this just a few weeks ago as we were finishing our Rooted series, that the long arc of God's work in the world is to bring back together what's been torn apart by sin. And we hear that again as Jesus finishes the phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. Let them be indistinguishable from each other. No place on earth that doesn't reflect what heaven is like. And, and when I think about how this prayer helps us uncover what we really want and how that might be out of sync with what God wants, I keep coming back to this word compartmentalization. The, the, the prayer is for all of God's kingdom to come everywhere in us, in our households, in our church, our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces, our city, our state, our country, our world. And I keep coming back to this world, this word compartmentalization about how easy it can be to lose sight of the big picture and to see only the things that affect us personally and directly. And just miss and live disconnected from God's kingdom coming everywhere else. And maybe even living disconnected from the invitation that God has for us there. To be present to what God is doing. And to join in and to be a part of it. I keep coming back to this word compartmentalization about how easy it can be to lose sight of the big picture, and also about how we can do the same thing in our own lives. Whether on purpose or not, we can have areas where we're really looking to see God as present and active, and then others where we just aren't. And where that's just an oversight on our part, there's a real invitation for us here. Yes, God cares about your work too. 
God cares about your friendships too, your relationships, your physical and your mental health, your finances. God cares about all of that. And praying your kingdom come can help remind us that God wants all of his kingdom to come in all parts of us. I want to push us a little bit today, though. Because sometimes that compartmentalization is just an oversight. But sometimes it's on purpose. There are parts of ourselves that we want to keep God out of. Or where we feel like allowing God to speak into, to encounter God's kingdom, would either be too costly or too painful. I think along the way, a lot of us encounter this idea that God's kingdom coming in and through our lives would make our lives both easier and more enjoyable. Have you noticed that that's not quite how it works, though? Instead, God's kingdom coming in us forces us to confront those parts of ourselves we so often hold back or keep hidden. And those are often the places where Jesus is inviting us to respond. Now, for some reason, Mark 10 seems to be the ticket this week. Uh, There's another encounter that Jesus has earlier in that chapter that might be familiar to you. It's with a young Jewish noble. He's wealthy, well-respected, who falls at Jesus' feet and asks what he needs to do to inherit eternal life. In other words, Jesus, I want your kingdom. What do I need to do? We learn he's kept all the commandments since he was a boy. But Jesus looks at him with love. He knows what this man, well-intentioned as he is, has compartmentalized off in his life. Jesus looks at him with love and says, One thing you lack. Go sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. Then come follow me. All of my kingdom in all of your life. Even the part you want to hold back for yourself. What I want us to consider this morning is that there's really no such thing as a neutral space. It's not like God's kingdom comes into the world or into our lives in a vacuum where there's just nothing there before. Something is always there. And so praying, your kingdom come, is asking God to occupy space once held by something else. Which makes it such a powerful point of reflection during the Lenten season. A season where we intentionally set things aside. Where we purposefully lay them down to make space to experience more of God's kingdom in our lives. Where are we seeking after another kingdom? Or or trying to build our own? Is God talking to us this morning about whose kingdom it is that we really want? Or is God talking to us this morning about the where that God wants all of his kingdom in all places for all people. 
that God wants all of his kingdom in all areas of our lives. Praying your kingdom come has a way of bringing us to this question Jesus asks so often. What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? And if we let it, it can open our eyes to the real, honest answers. Speaking of opened eyes, that's how Bartimaeus answered Jesus' question. What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, I want to see. What could it look like to start there this week? Lord, I want to see. I want to see what's real. I want to see if there are other kingdoms my life is oriented towards. I want to see if there are parts of myself that I'm holding back from your kingdom's touch. What could it look like to start there this week? Lord, I want to see. And maybe the honest prayer is a prayer more like, Lord, I want to want to see. I'm not there yet. Would you grow that desire within me? That God's kingdom is such a beautiful thing. It's so different than the way the world seems to work so often. It can be so easy to miss or misunderstand or even misrepresent. But it's such a beautiful thing. It's what we need. That's what the world needs. Jesus began his ministry by announcing that kingdom has come near. This Lenten season, let's repent and believe the good news. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen.